Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets and the people who love them. Sponsored by webdvm.net, typed into your browser as web-dvm.net, the health and information online portal for dogs and cats. It is also where I run my written blog, so please pay to visit sometime. Welcome to the show. My name is Roger Welton. I'm a practicing veterinarian. Tonight, I will be talking to you about what I feel is one of the most common acts of malpractice in veterinary medicine. This may not go over too kindly with some of my veterinary or fellow veterinarians out there that may be guilty of this and may even peeve off some of my veterinary technician listeners, but at the risk of upsetting some people, I do believe it is high time that we discuss this because things need to change and they need to change rapidly. Now they are changing for the better and I'll kind of get into why things have been the way they are, why they are changing, but also why there are still some clinging to past principles and ethics in terms of how to properly proceed with veterinary dentistry. So let's jump right into it. Many of you out there engage in regular dental care for your pets. We do dental cleanings, hygienic cleanings. Dental health is very important in dogs and cats and even uh, ferrets, believe it or not. My associate veterinarian uh, is very involved in ferret medicine and he actually does quite a bit of dentistry in ferrets. Bad teeth are a big problem. They cause chronic infection in the mouth. They cause gingivitis, which is a chronic infection, inflammatory disease of the gums. That bacteria is constantly swallowed, weakens the immune system, can seed infections elsewhere in the body, can decrease the overall health. Periodontal disease has been linked to kidney failure in both dogs and cats, and has been linked to congestive heart disease. So it's nothing to take lightly, and a lot of you folks don't take it lightly. When we make the recommendation for dentistry, increasingly, owners are being, becoming more and more educated about this and are more likely now more than ever to engage in dentistry. But what's troubling to me is the way far too many veterinarians are still going about it. So we have a, a standard cleaning, and one of the really nice things about the advances of veterinary dentistry is that digital dental radiography or x-ray imaging of the teeth has become a standard of care. And the reason for that is because the affordability of the x-rays has never been better. So whereas in the past, a veterinarian would have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to afford dental x-ray, the premium of which, of course, would have to be passed on to the client, unfortunately, because it's got to get paid for somehow, it was not. It was cost prohibitive. So when I first graduated, God, virtually no one had dental X-ray. That was the realm of the dental specialists, the dental, the, the oral surgeons that you're referring cases to. The dental specialists. We call them veterinary dentists, but to call them dentists is not really a fair terminology because veterinary dentists are performing very high-end uh, oral surgical procedures, procedures of the jaw, fracture repairs of the jaw. I mean, they're not doing dentistry 
only. Yes, they're doing root canals and things of that nature. They are splinting and preserving teeth and, and repairing them for like show dogs and people that don't like the idea of their pet losing a tooth. But they're also doing, you know, hemimandibulectomies and, and really uh, nuanced stuff that, that requires residency training. So those were the guys that had dental radiography back in the day because those were referral practices. And so with that level of medicine, you know, these, these instruments of imaging that are so invaluable and important, they were paid for. And there was a, 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 a venue to pay for them. But for your average pet owner that wanted to just get their, their dog or cat's clean or teeth cleaned and 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 maybe if there was a rotten tooth here or there have it extracted they weren't going to go for for radiography at the time you know years ago when it was just so expensive to do so well things have changed in, in a very big way and it's very exciting because now you could pick up a very high-end very high resolution dental x-ray unit for you know somewhere in the vicinity of six to ten thousand dollars depending on what you go for um, and, and that that enables us to do a whole set of all you know all the quadrants of the mouth, full set dental X-rays yeah, for about eighty to hundred bucks. You know that's pretty affordable for most people, and that's you know going to fall in line significantly cheaper than what the human dentists are doing it for, even though we're using the same equipment. We always got to price things down a little bit in veterinary medicine because people are paying out of pocket for this stuff, and you know. It's just the, the the way of things. We're willing to take less money, uh, and that's okay, provided we can we can do that reasonably. So, dental X-ray is what we're talking about today, and why is it important? It's important because, first off, in cats, forty percent or more of dental lesions are found below the gum line. So let's talk about what what that means. Oh, and by the way, before I move on with that, twenty five percent of dental lesions are found below the gum line in dogs. So like other aspects of medicine, our felines love to be cryptic about disease. It's very challenging to find disease in felines. And of course, with dentistry, it's it's no different. So very often we are bringing in a kitty for, you know, stage two out of four periodontal disease. It looks like it's going to be a, you know, a good cleaning and probably nothing more than that. But since we're re- routinely doing full mouth x-rays as well, it's amazing the things that we're finding. Again, 40% below the gum line. That is a lot of stuff that we were previously missing. So what are we going to see below the gum line? Well, the main thing is resorbing tooth roots. So what that means is, essentially when a root starts resorbing, it's been targeted for destruction. And it is resorbing, it, it is being absorbed by the body. And in the process of doing so, it is an abscess hazard. So it can form an abscess at some point. It's decaying the jawbone around it, so it weakens the jawbone. It it is causing chronic infection, so it's there's infection in the body, although we don't see it. It's there. It's it's taking its toll on the patient, contributing to possible kidney failure down the road. As we well know, the number one cause of death in cats is kidney failure. Got a subgingival or under the gum line lesion. You are increasing the potential for kidney failure significantly. So finding those lesions is very important. But the last, the, the, you know, for me, the most significant part is it's, it's, a, it's a chronically painful uh, lesion. And the thing about cats is, again, I talked about cryptic. They're very cryptic about signs of disease. They hide their pain. They internalize it. They suffer silently. And they do so because we're not taking the time 
to necessarily x-ray these cats. And, and, and this is my biggest problem right now, is that far too many veterinarians are not using dental x-ray. But that's not the worst part. You know, we're just touching on, that's not the malpractice necessarily. I wouldn't call that malpractice, but we'll get to the malpractice part of it. So let's look at our canine. Our canines, you know, 25%, that's one in four dental lesions are actually below the gum line. That's a lot too. You know, not as profound in cats, but still something significant. So we could have, we could scale up those teeth and polish them up and they look beautiful and their pearly whites look great. But there is a significant chance that if we're not taking dental x-rays, we're missing stuff below the gum line. So that's very important. Is it malpractice? No, it's not. I wouldn't go that far. Malpractice is a grossly negligent circumstance. Grossly negligent meaning that it's it's a complete and utter um, blatant uh, dismissal or lack of adherence to standards of care. And a standard of care now is that if there are going to be any dental extractions, that there must be a post-extraction dental x-ray taken. And this is where the malpractice comes in. So let's get into this. When extracting a tooth, some of these teeth can be really challenging to get out. So let's look at upper premolar 4. We call it P4. In both dogs and cats, it's a three-root tooth. And it's a monster of a tooth. It's the largest tooth in the canine and feline mouth. And you're extracting one of these bad boys. You have to do what's called. I mean, this is oral surgery. We're not, we're not just taking some pliers and ripping out a tooth. No, it's not like that. It's more like taking out a wisdom tooth, right? And we wouldn't consider that just yanking out a tooth. You go to an oral surgeon for that. So you have to create what's called a gingival flap. So you actually have to make a, uh, an incision on either side of the tooth, tease back that gum tissue, flap it back, and then very gently and carefully burr away what's called alveolar bone. Alveolar bone is the bone that houses the tooth. Now, you don't want to burr away too little bone because then you are potentially cracking away larger chunks of bone that you don't want to crack away. You also risk leaving root material within that bone housing. So you don't want to burr away too little, but you don't want to burr away too much. You want to leave the dog or cat you know, as much bone as you can. Bone is important. Once that bone is gone, it's not growing back. Right, so you, you, there's a fine line, and the best way to tow that fine line is to take a pre-extraction X-ray. So we take an X-ray, we look at the roots, we can see exactly how far they go. Some of them curve off and twist in these weird directions, and we need to know that because if you don't take enough, you're not going to get all the roots. It's going to be very challenging. You end up causing more trauma. If you take too much, well, you're taking more bone than than you need, and we don't want to do that. So you take a pre-extraction X-ray. You look at basically the anatomy that's below the bone, and then based on that x-ray, you can then go in with a more precise approach. One of the neat things about cats is that if they have two, re or if of all the roots of a tooth are resorbing, then the interesting about cats is they're actually converting that root into bone at some point of the resorption. And so with, with cats, if you actually see an active resorbing lesion, you can do what's called a crown amputation where you can actually just cut right across the base of that tooth, suture the gum over it, and that basically what's below it is going to turn into bone with, with really not any significant chronic pain afterwards. So that saves the kitty cat a lot of trauma by taking that pre-extraction x-ray because you realize, well, I don't need to get that aggressive. I could just do a crown amputation. Or in other cases... 
Well, we got to take all, we got to go after each root at a time. So we go after the tooth, we create our flap, and then we have to section the tooth into three parts, all right? So if it's a two root tooth, we section it into two parts. If it's a three root tooth, we section it into three parts. Essentially what we're doing is when we section the tooth, we're taking each root and, and basically creating an individual tooth per root, if that makes sense. So we have one tooth with three roots. We're going to section it into three parts. So we're only extracting one root at a time. So we're essentially turning it into three separate teeth. And that's how you most successfully get each root in its entirety. Because if you leave root fragments behind, this is very important, ladies and gentlemen, if you leave root fragments behind, it is a source of pain for weeks to months, even years to come. Tooth root has nerve in it. It has nerve pulp in it. It is exceedingly, excruciatingly painful to leave pieces of it behind. You need to get it all out of there. So it's very important we do our due diligence to get all that root out of there. The other thing, too, is that not only is that root fragment a source of pain, and again, they're going to internalize that pain. Like I said, they suffer silently. This applies to dogs, too. They internalize their pain, too. It's not just cats. Cats do it more effectively, but dogs do it very, very well. And that's just their nature. That's animal nature. They don't want to show pain or weakness. So that root fragment is a source of pain, but it also is a chronic infectious nidus that's going to remain there. So again, kidney failure hazard, congestive heart disease, predisposition, seeding infection elsewhere in the body, even even uh, even even kidney infections can can uh, result from a, an infected area in the bone of the oral cavity. So chronic infection, but you know, lastly, at any point, that thing could blow up into an abscess, and that's something you're dealing with down the road, and I've seen it happen. So we, we do our due diligence. We take the pre-extraction x-ray. We section the tooth. We get all that root out of there. What do we do next? Well, we got to make sure we got every piece of root out of there because when we're using a device called a periodontal elevator, when we're, we're actually weakening the ligament that holds in that root and then we take our extraction forceps and very gently pull it out, you, you, know, you get an idea and a good feel for whether or not you got the whole root. You can look at it and very often see, whoop, there's a chip of it missing. There must be some root down there. But when you got your elevator down in there, you really can't see. It's like a keyhole sometimes. So what you need to do, even if you got the root in its entirety grossly, that it looks like you got it all, you have to take an x-ray. And this is where the malpractice comes in. And I'm going to cite a couple of cases. So you take the post-extraction x-ray, and then you verify that there's no root material, and then you close your flap suture it all up and life is good and you know that's the way to properly go about a dental extraction now if you don't take a dental x-ray you will never know 100 percent if there is any root material left behind if there's a source of chronic pain what that root you know piece of root would represent if there's a source of chronic infection if there's a source of potential abscess hazard, you cannot ever possibly know that without taking a follow-up dental x-ray. So there's the malpractice because far too many veterinarians in this day and age are still doing 
dental extractions without x-ray. And it's one thing to not be as precise on the entry aspect of the extraction. You know, it's another to take more bone than you need to or crack away more bone because you're not as precise as you should be. I wouldn't call that necessarily malpractice. Crap medicine, yes, but not malpractice. I would say leaving root fragment in there and not doing your due diligence to prevent that, that is malpractice. And I see it time and again. And the reason I catch them all is because I've had dental x-ray in my practice now for years. And I'm very proud of that fact. And I want to say, unfortunately, that my practice is probably... I don't know if it's the minority, but I would say 50-50 at this point in terms of practices that are engaging in oral surgery with dental x-ray on premises. And that's really, that's really bad. It's really, really bad. So folks, you need to educate yourselves and be aware of this. So let me tell you about a couple of cases real quick. We had a Shih Tzu come in and it had several previous past extractions at another veterinarian, another local veterinarian. And this particular dog seemed okay, but had, you know, again, some periodontal disease. It's been about, you know, it'd been about two, three years since the last extractions and had some periodontal disease. And we figured, hey, you know what? Let's not have to put your dog through any more extractions. Let's stay ahead of this with his existing teeth and let's go ahead and get a cleaning. So we get a cleaning. And of course, routinely, we take full mouth x-rays. It's what we do. It doesn't take very long. doesn't cost very much. Well, all of his existing teeth were actually in really good shape. They cleaned up real nice, a little bit of gingivitis, that'll all heal up, life is good. But we also routinely x-ray past extraction sites for dogs that have had extractions that were not done in my clinic. Because we don't, we don't trust that that root is necessarily out of there because we don't trust that, that nece- the veterinary necessarily has dental x-ray. Because as I said, 50% don't. So we take x-rays, and this dog had previously had about eight extractions. Can you believe there was eight retained roots? Utterly, utterly, utterly appalling. So this poor animal, this little Shih Tzu, had been living with eight pieces of root housed within its jawbone, all, all healed in with chronic infection, ongoing resorption, and chronic pain for almost three years. I, I honestly, I was, I was disgusted to a level that, you know, to me that's animal cruelty. To me that is something that it's, it's, it's beyond appalling and it's so unnecessary in this day and age. So what we had to do was open up each extraction site and go down there and dig out those roots, which we did at a considerable cost to the owner, unfortunately, but we told them, listen, this has to be done. So afterwards, we showed the owner the x-rays and, you know, everything went well, everything healed up. And at recheck, the owner said, you know, I feel horrible. I feel horrible that this occurred to my dog. And, and I didn't know. And I said, well, you, you know, it's not your fault. You trusted a veterinarian that should have known better, that should have done a better job. And she said, but I didn't know my dog never let me know. But now I know he's a different dog now. He's an absolutely different dog. So 
there's a dog that has been suffering with oral pain. You know, now imagine one, how one toothache can feel, how it can ruin your day, ruin your weekend, ruin your week. Toothaches can be awful. Well, this dog had eight. And the worst part is the teeth weren't there and the owner didn't know. The owner just thought, okay, well, my dog, he's not, ain't what he used to be. Not quite as playful as he used to be, but he's getting older. He's like seven, eight years old now. Well, after we took those roots out of there and that all healed up, this dog basically went back to puppyhood. (laughs) Went back to puppyhood and, you know, essentially got a new lease on life. And this, this owner just didn't know for two to three years that it wasn't that the dog was getting older, the dog was living in pain. And then case in point, you know, they internalize their pain, they get on with their lives, they don't wallow in self-pity, that's just what dogs do. You know, and that's, that's, that's one example. And, and the other example I want to bring up is, you know, one of my own cases. It was a, um, before I kind of elaborate on this, I just want to bring up, you know, when you talk to some of these, these, these veterinarians, these, these old school veterinarians, and, and not all, all old school veterinarians are old, by the way. There's some stubborn, stubborn, you know, practicing a, a you know, 10 year ago medicine veterinarians that are my age. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to stereotype. And there's, there's some older veterinarians that are really proactive and, and staying current and all that. So I'm not trying to be an ageist here. So when I say old school, I'm just referring to those practicing medicine of 10 years ago. You know, you ask them, why, why? Why haven't you gotten dental radiography? I just don't understand it. And they'll say, you know, this is the most common answer. Well, I've never had a problem. Never had a problem. And I say to them, well, how do you know? Well, I've been doing extractions for years. Never had one come back with a problem. Well, how do you know? Can you ask the dog? Can you ask the cat? Can you say, how are you feeling? How's your mouth? How's everything going? I mean, here's the, here's the owner I just, just saw with the Shih Tzu, who for the past, you know, just under three years didn't notice their beloved dog's discomfort because they can't articulate it. So you're that confident that you've never left a root in a dog's mouth? Well, that's the other thing. I don't leave roots. And that's what really bugs me because that, that's, that's, that's a level of arrogance that to me is just unacceptable because there is no pers- no veterinarian in this planet that can confidently say that they don't leave root material 100% of the time that they are successful in removing all root material 100% of the time, as I should rephrase. That is, to make that statement, you know, that's either a completely arrogant, arrogant, overconfident fool, <laughs> or or never had dental x-ray, so they never knew one way or the other, right? So they saw that the root looked completely extracted, and they moved on, right? So... It's not to say that I haven't, in the past, uh, engaged in dental extractions without x-ray because there was a time when it was cost prohibitive in general practice, like I said. So unless you were referring them for high-end dentistry, referring the case, which most people found cost prohibitive, you know, we just didn't have the means to do it, so we, we did the best we could. What I used to do to compensate, you know, back in the days when I did not have dental x-ray is I would actually take more bone than... I really probably needed to just to give myself the best assurance that I didn't leave behind any root. But did I know 100%? No, I didn't. And, and, you know, that was a a time when, you know, maybe 1% 
of of practices when I first graduated, you know, had dental X-ray, and it was, it was virtually non-existent. But now it, it's not, and so it's 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 not acceptable to not have it. It's not acceptable to engage in oral surgery without them. So, folks, I want you to really take heed to this this episode. Spread the message far and wide. I also did a blog post about it at web-dvm.net. Send your friends the link. Go to web-dvm.net. It's one of my latest article posts. Spread the message far and wide, and um, you know, let them know that they should never, ever, ever allow a veterinarian to engage in oral surgery without dental X-ray. Now, they want to recommend a dental cleaning. Fine. Uh, you know that that's fine. Do a dental cleaning, scale and polish. But if they feel that any teeth need to come out, do not allow them to do it. The first question you should always ask is, "Do you have dental X-ray?" And if they do, you know you could feel a lot more comfortable about that. If they don't, don't let them do it, and find a veterinarian that does have dental X-ray. That's my message to you for this evening. I thank you very much for taking the time to listen. We have not had any email comments, questions, or concerns sent to us lately. So please send them along. And I, I, I just not quite sure why we haven't had as much uh, listener precip- per- participation on the show. Certainly our listenership keeps going up over time. And I thank you all for that. But I'd like some participation. I like you guys sending me questions. I like you uh, sending me comments that uh, I can air on the show. Thank you very much. And talk to you next time. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.